Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Surprisingly, I've had several requests to share a little more about myself in my journey to creating and hosting a podcast. So in today's episode, I've decided to do just that. Interview myself, so to speak, and share not only where the idea for a podcast came from, but what I've learned along the way. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams. I really do believe the secret sauce to any community is when you listen to each other's stories. It's one of the true pillars to the local culture and connects us in a way that cannot be done any other way. In fact, that's why I created the Sarasota Stories podcast. I started it so that you can get connected just a little bit deeper in this wonderful community we call home. In each episode, except for this one, of course, I interview a neighbor of ours who is doing great work and impacting our town in positive ways. So you hear from authors and artists, entrepreneurs, civic leaders, and others share how they chose their profession, what they're working on now, and what their plans are for the future. In today's episode, you will learn who I am and how I ended up in Sarasota, where the idea for a Sarasota-based podcast came from, some lessons I've learned along the way, and what you can expect in the upcoming season. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and remember to listen, to learn, but most importantly, to connect. Bob Williams, founder and host of the Sarasota Stories podcast. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Are you a little bit confused with that intro? Well, don't be. We just completed our 50th episode, season one, and I decided to interview myself. So if that sounds a little bit weird, don't worry. I just simply wanted to use this episode to tell you a little bit about the voice on this podcast, how it got started, who I am, how I ended up in Sarasota, and all that good stuff, which is a lot of the questions I ask my guests. So that's what I wanted to spend this episode talking about today, and I hope you enjoy it. And I'm going to be true to form because I'm going to ask myself a question and share with you one thing that most people don't know about me, because that's what I typically ask all my guests. So this is one thing that most people don't know about me. It was 1977. I was playing baseball. It was Father's Day, and my father was in the stands. I come up to plate, tap the bat on my cleats, pitch one comes in, ball, 
Second pitch comes in and I launch it 330 feet over the right center field fence. Actually, I don't know how far the fence was, but it seemed like it was long at the time. So I hit a home run for my father on Father's Day. So I drop the bat, stick my chest out. I go strutting across first base, strutting across second base, strutting across third base, jump on home plate where all my teammates were waiting on me, pat me on the back because I just hit a home run. We go in, we go back and sit down in the dugout. Everybody still pat me on the back. And the pitcher gets the ball, steps off the rubber, off the pitcher's mound, throws to third base, and the umpire raises his thumb and yells, out! Well, of course, my coach goes charging out there to third base where the umpire said, well, what do you mean he's out? What? How, how can he be out? Umpire says, the runner missed third base. What do you mean he missed third base? The runner missed third base. So they argued for a little bit. Coach is still red-faced. He comes back in the dugout and just looks at me, sits down, and apparently that's exactly what happened. I hit a home run on Father's Day for my father in the stands, and I got thrown out because I missed third base. And for years afterwards, my father and I talked about it. He said, listen, that was the best gift you could have ever given me, missing third base. He goes, because that means you're a true Williams. And so we laughed about that, and that was, I guess, the best gift I ever gave him, which was getting thrown out on Father's Day by missing third base. So that is one thing that most people don't know about me. Well, how did I end up in Sarasota? So I grew up in a uh, small farming community just north of Cincinnati. And at the time, I was dating a beautiful young woman in high school. Her name was Leslie. And her father bought a home in Sarasota. Bought a home on Bird Key. Beautiful Bird Key. And so apparently her father liked me enough to actually invite me down. And so we came down one spring break. And when I saw Bird Key and I remembered how beautiful that little girl was, I decided to marry her right then and there. Because I figured not only do I get a beautiful bride, but now I got a great place to vacation as we go through life together. And that's exactly what I did. And just um, it's been 39 years I've been married to this beautiful young woman. And so she's been my lovely bride for all those years, and I couldn't have asked for a better wife. But it was her father that introduced me to Sarasota. So typical snowbird fashion over the years, we would come down at spring break, spend our our week here and, you know, fry ourselves like all the, the tourists today's do, because uh, you, know, you go through southern Ohio in February, January, February, and it gets pretty dreary. And so you come down here to the Sunshine State and all you want to do is get some sunshine and just enjoy the weather. And that's exactly what we did. But we did that for many, many years, actually for the better part of 40 years. Then when we uh, we started having children, brought the kids down. And of course, we do the proverbial uh, St. Armand's Circle. We walk around the shops there. I spent, it seemed like a lifetime sitting on the bench while all the women went all Went in all the little boutiques there, you know, fingering everything and all the little gee-gaws and getting ice cream, stuff like that. And go to our favorite restaurants. And so that was pretty much our relationship with Sarasota for many years. And then back in 2015, we decided to come down here full time. I pretty much retired. Uh, I 
done a lot of work in uh, finance, actually. I did a lot of trading online. And so I could pretty much work from any place that I wanted to. And actually, my mother-in-law was in an end-of-life scenario. She had been battling cancer for many years. And we moved from the Cincinnati area where we had raised the kids. We went out to the Dallas area where she was getting her treatment. And we went out there for a couple of years to be with uh, my wife's sister. As she had been really doing the bulwark, doing must most of the work taking care of my mother-in-law. She's pretty much worn out, so we wanted to go out and help her. So we went out there for a couple of years, and uh, my mother-in-law passed away, and my wife and I looked at each other and said, well, what do we do now? Um, Do you want to go back to Cincinnati? And we said, well, how about Sarasota? So we have been down here since 2015. We love it, just like so many other people. And so it's not an untypical story about snowbirds ending up down here full time. And for those of you that are native Sarasotans, native Floridians, I'm sorry. You got a great thing going on here. I'm sorry for all of us Yankees coming down here, but we promise to be good. We promise to add value to the community. Hopefully this podcast is doing a little bit of that, but you got a good thing going on here and we absolutely love Sarasota. So why did I start this podcast? Well, when we came back and when we came down in 2015, I got involved with a private club here that was struggling at the time. And myself and a handful of other people, well, we turned it around. And it wasn't just us. There were a lot of things, a lot of wind in our sails that helped turn it around. The fact that so many folks are moving down here. Um, They were wanting to connect and they were wanting to join clubs. But the club, we turned the club around. And uh, so I was looking for something else to do. Well, during that period of time when we were involved with this club, I had a fellow by the name of Kevin Cooper. Maybe you folks know him. He was the president of the Sarasota Chamber of Commerce for a number of years and now works for Moat Marine. Great guy. And I had him over to the club. And the reason I had him over is because the club was a member there for a number of years, but we really didn't tap into the chamber. They have a lot of resources, a lot of things like that clubs should utilize. And we just weren't. And so I had him over for dinner and he says, okay, you're going through some tough times right now. I said, but well, tell me the DNA of this club. And I said, well, Kevin, see that table over there? I said, yep. There are two guys sitting there, the one on the left had spent his career, his entire career in research in the cancer industry. And he was part of a medical team that was twice nominated for Nobel Peace Prize for researching cancer. The guy he's talking to, he spent most of his career as a in the roofing industry in the Washington, D.C. area. But now he owns a bird mitigation company. So, of course, that was an interesting conversation that we had. What do you mean bird mitigation? I said, well, apparently this fellow had developed a product for airports and other sensitive places that have to keep birds away. He has this product that does just that. And he's been all around the world consulting with airports. And, and, you know, obviously you have a plane taking off. You want to make sure that there aren't any Canadian geese around that can fly up into those engines. Apparently this apparatus, whatever it was, because I've never seen it, but that was the thing that he had. And the other fellow, of course, was had retired from cancer research. So, of course, the, Kevin's follow-up question was, well, what's the connection? 
So the connection is they both like to row. They're not kayakers. They don't do sup boards. They're not boaters. They like to row. That's how they keep in shape. And they both have their own rowing uh, vessels that they use. And so that's the connection there. And so that was really kind of the seed, if you will, that as I was working at that club and I, I was really working as a volunteer, but as I was a part of that club and I met so many people from different parts of the world, different parts of the country, had lived such fascinating lives. And then I thought back to that, that evening with Kevin and I, when those two fellows were having the conversation, I said, you know, there's so many wonderful stories I really would like to find a platform in which we could air them and share them with the greater Sarasota area. And so that is how the idea for this podcast got started. And so it took me several years to put this together, but we just completed our 50th interview. And so this is why I'm kind of giving you an update. So I'd like to share with you a little bit about what I have learned after 50 interviews. And I had to sit down and think about this because I met so many wonderful people that I would not have met otherwise. And I had to reach out to them through the various channels and whatnot and connections that I had. But there are really five things that I have learned over these last 50 interviews. But the very foundational thing that I learned is that people want to be seen and heard. Everybody has a great story. Everybody has a story and people want to share those stories. And I personally have been enriched by listening to these stories, by being able to look them in the eye. It's been all virtual, but still looking them in the eye and hearing what their hopes and dreams are, uh, some of the difficulties that they've overcome. And we've all had to deal with difficulties and it's just a very human thing for me to do this podcast, and I hope you all have enjoyed it. But people want to be seen and heard, but let me be more specific. Let's start with resilience. When I think back of all the people that I've talked to, one of the things that came through is resilience. I mean, you know, we're still dealing with the after effects of COVID. Um, And I think back to Greg Campbell, who's the owner and operates the Grove Restaurant and Pier 2 restaurants. Um, He had to navigate... COVID. I mean, think about this. You you are in charge of two restaurants. You have many employees. You have guests. And now you're being shut down. How do you navigate that? If my memory serves me adequately, is I, one of the things that he did was he got a tractor trailer and loaded it up with food and was able to give a lot of that away to the local community. He was concerned about folks in the Bradenton area and whatnot that didn't have enough food. And he actually was able to deepen his relationship with that community out there and also out in Lakewood Ranch, which is where his other restaurant is located. Then I think about Mike Martin, who just recently started his restaurant called Reef Cakes. It's over there by the hospital, and he just started the restaurant. And what happened was the previous restaurant owner, once he shut down, he was not able to reopen. So it was interesting because... When I interviewed Mike, he said, this really presented an opportunity for me. He said, I would not have gotten been able to get this space otherwise. He has a great product, has a great menu over there. That's Reef Cakes. I encourage you to go over and try that out. But I just seemed to me like so many people were resilient, not only through COVID, but also in some of the other difficulties they faced in life. It was was an incredible interview that I did with Melissa Wandahl, 
excuse me, Melissa Wandell. And she's the head of the Mark Wendell Foundation. And Melissa was a very young woman, young mother. Her husband was killed tragically in a car accident. And she has been spending the rest of her life trying to make the highways safer. And what just blew me away about that interview is like, I don't know whether I could ever bounce back from something like that. I've already ta- told you about marrying my high school sweetheart. Something like that happened. I don't think that would have it in me to bounce back. So what an incredibly strong and resilient woman. And then to go forward and to continue to make a contribution to try and make our highway safer. Another great gal, and it was a friend of mine that I was able to bring on the podcast, is Shar Creole of Prestis LLC. Likewise, her husband died uh, at an early age from cancer. And she discovered that the medical system, the software itself, being able to talk across different locations and different doctors as they were trying to find a solution to the rare type of cancer that her husband had, she has shown a lot of resilience by putting together the software, by funding and coaching and She's getting ready to launch a type of software that is really going to help bring medical records into the 21st century. And I just find it incredible that she could rebound from that. You lose a spouse. I just couldn't imagine doing it. But, you know, what a gal to be able to do that. And, you know, go and search that episode out. It's very, very heartwarming and very inspirational. Also, Kyle McCreet. Uh, Talk about a resilient guy because... He was recently on the American Ninja Warrior TV program. I mean, he was at the national level. Went through a really bad divorce. And he very, was very upfront about it. Went through a bad divorce. I'm kind of lost. What do I do now? And it was, it was really curious because two things really helped him kind of get things turned around. One of them was a dog that he got. It was a three-legged dog. And for some reason, that resonated with him because he is in the medical industry, and he takes that dog that only has three legs, and he takes them to hospitals and and other um, services that deal with prosthetic, particularly with children. So he only these children are able to see a three-legged dog and how he's making it, and they bond with the dog. And this dog named Trey helped Kyle kind of Move beyond a bad divorce along with his love for this American Ninja Warrior type competition. And you can see him on TV if you just type in his name, Kyle McCreet, American Ninja Warrior. It'll come up. The other, the last person who really kind of resonated with me as far as being able to overcome difficulties and having the resilience to build something after great challenges is Chris Williams of Agento. Chris went through a terrible time during the real estate debacle back in 2008, 2010, 11, along there, as a lot of people did. That's down here, in the, obviously, in the Sarasota area. But he has rebounded to build a very cool company called Agento that helps small businesses kind of get their digital marketing act together. And so he provides the expertise and the services for small businesses. But he went through a really tough time there and was virtually sleeping out of his car. And I, again, I'm sorry to personalize this, but I wonder myself, you know, could I overcome something like that? So I really have to admire a guy like that that could bounce back and be that incredibly resilient. 
You know, the second major thing I think that I have learned over these 50 episodes is a willingness to help. Um, you know, I really need to give a shout out to Michael Clobber. You know, my, Michael, of course, is, you know, one of the, the two partners of Michael's on East. He's just been one of the kind of you know, cornerstones of the Sarasota community for the past 40 years. And if anybody really had the title of Mr. Sarasota, it would probably be Michael Clobber. The reason I'm giving him a shout out, because he was willing to come on the podcast at episode 10 and do an interview with me. And the reason that means a lot to me is because, because he's such an icon in the industry. I mean, not only does he have Michael's on East, which is a fantastic restaurant, he certainly has the best wine cellar in Sarasota, amazing selection. Uh, he has a catering business. He also started the Manatee Sarasota Originals, which is an annual event where it really promotes locally owned restaurants and for residents to go and sample the menus that these restaurants have. They do a lot of promotion. And so I think he's just been really tremendous for this greater Sarasota area and promoting not only for the businesses that he started, but also for helping others as well. And he did a great job in helping me. Oh, and I don't want to forget, he's also one of the catalysts for the Bayfront park that's going in down there. He and a number of other people are the ones that really brought in the consultants. They're going to redesign the Bayfront Park down there, have a website where you can go and check all that out. But it's going to be something special once it's all completed. But he was one of the catalysts for that. So again, I'll say if anybody could be called Mr. Sarasota, I think it's Michael Clobber. And one of the things that I do is, you know, when you start anything, you're always you know, you're hesitant, you know, is this going to work or not? You know, is anybody going to tune into the podcast or am I just going to be flapping my gums, you know, to the great internet and no one's listening? So as soon as I got Michael on the show, anytime I reached out to somebody via email, I always included Michael Clauber's episode in that email. So when they saw Michael Clauber, a lot of folks signed up that maybe wouldn't give me the time of the day. So I just wanted to give him a shout out and I really appreciate that. Also want to I also appreciate, you know, another fellow who's been very helpful to me and willingness to help. And that's Charlie Wilson. Charlie's a good friend of mine that I met when I joined that private club. He and I worked a lot on that club together and he did a, he was very helpful in opening some doors for me, connecting me with some folks that are noted in the industry. And one of them, one of the folks I met, which I just thought was fantastic is Dr. Sharika Evans. And she's the principal. She's the headmaster with the Suncoast School for Innovative Studies. And it's a charter school. And I've never met anybody more enthusiastic about what they're doing in their life. you got to go to that episode uh, and just listen to it. Because Dr. Sharika Evans, what really struck me about this gal is, okay, so she's a doctor, right? She's the headmaster. But because the school is really lacking in funds and they're really trying to continue to grow and get more assets and have all their systems in place. She actually drives the bus at times. She went out and got her CDL, her commercial driver's license. And she's not too proud to do that for her kids. I mean, what a gal, what a gal. I would not have been able to meet her if it wasn't for my good friend, Charlie Wilson. And also, uh, you know, just through this podcast. And so, I just think that that's a, that's a second thing that uh, I really learned over these 50 episodes. You know, another thing I learned is about the power of connection. I'm a member of the Sarasota Chamber of Commerce. And Heather Caston, of course, is the 
president there. And really, I've had five of my episodes come through the chamber. And it is the power of connection. I believe that that's the, the chamber's tagline. I mean, my very first episode was Jeff Happenu of LifeWorks. And you got to hear that episode because Jeff got into the home care industry through COVID. Had a relative that passed away. It was pretty traumatic, but Jeff decided to get in this industry full time. And, but I got that first interview because Jeff and LifeWorks was a member of the Chamber of Commerce. And so it's just been a, the Chamber has just been a real, asset to me and it really proves the power of connection. Also through the chamber I got was Michael Kenyon, who at the time was with Unity Fiber. He shared with me on that episode just what the critical infrastructure that Sarasota and the Suncoast needs as far as fiber optics and other types of technology. I mean, it doesn't dawn on us that hospital systems cannot go down. There are certain critical systems that cannot go down and it is companies like this laying fiber optics Getting, to, getting technology up to snuff and really making sure that Sarasota is, is capable in all these areas. I thought that was an interesting interview that I did with him. And I was completely inadequate in asking him questions because I don't do very well at the technology end of things. But he was very gracious. And it was a great episode. Also, Dr. Herbert Silverstein. Dr. Herbert, I mean, what an amazing guy. For over 40 years, he has been in, well, he's been dealing with hearing issues. And he came to Sarasota a long time ago from the Jersey area, or the Philadelphia area, excuse me. And he's built two world-class organizations right here in Sarasota. I never would have known that if I had not gone through the chamber and been able to find him to do the episode. But he's probably the world's foremost expert on many years disease and a lot of other th- hearing issues. Um, and again, as I enter my sixth decade, um, I'm starting to develop some hearing issues, so I may have to give uh, Dr. Silverstein a call before long. But uh, I just thought that he is an incredible fellow. He's he's very soft-spoken, but when you hear the intellect and you hear the commitment of a specialty that he has worked on for so many years and the patients that he's treated and given their lives back, I mean, when you hear loud ringing in your ears 24-7, uh, which actually I have some of that was called tinnitus or, or other hearing maladies where you cannot go into a room full of people because you can't stand it. And he can go in and he can fix those problems. Uh, he's a, just a tremendous asset to Sarasota. The other episode that, you know, just kind of stuck out with me as far as the power connection and, and really came to me again to the chamber of commerce, you know, it was Dr. Victoria Andersia of healthful roots. She's a young gal, young doctor, uh, she went the traditional route. You know, she went through all the studies and all the all the courses that I never could have accomplished. But she became a traditional doctor, and then she discovered, hey, you know, there's some alternative modalities out there that I want to incorporate. And so she was very smart in being able to to put together not only traditional medicine, but also some of the ancient treatments that they have out there, and treating the whole person rather than just the symptom, which typically is what traditional medicine does. And she, I thought she was a very smart gal, but again, I got her through the Chamber of Commerce. The last guy, last uh, episode that I had through, that I'd like to talk about as far as the power of connection, which was Sean Patton, a stocking savvy. I mean, I've never met anybody who is more passionate about the ecology than Sean Patton. 
And basically what he does is he helps to restore a lot of the waterways around here by putting in native plants and doing consultation. But he's absolutely passionate about the environment here. And it's just, and he's a young guy and it's just very gratifying to see a fellow like that to really love what he's doing at such an early stage in life. Because as we know, there's a lot of folks that struggle for many years until they find what they're really, really interested in. But Sean Patton is stocking savvy. He was a lot of fun to have on the podcast. But also, when I talk about the Chamber of Commerce, and again, I'm a big, big believer that everybody, or most everybody, should be connected with a local Chamber of Commerce. You know, I reached out to the Venice Chamber and the Manatee Chamber, and at the Venice Chamber, it was it was great having Kathy Laner on. You know, the Venice Chamber does things a little bit differently down there. It's a little smaller community, a little bit more intimate. It's a great place to get plugged in. And Kathy was great being on the episode and kind of sharing how she got involved and eventually became the CEO down there. She does a lot of great stuff. You know, the other thing I think that I learned from doing these 50 podcasts is the incredibly caring people that are in this greater Sarasota area. I did a lot of nonprofits. Um, I think I did a total of eight in these first 50 episodes. And so I'd like to share with you a little bit about what having those folks on meant to me. Well, First, just how incredibly caring they are. And a lot of these folks, they don't go into business to make money. It's more like a calling. I mean, if you take Debbie Mason of Tidewell Foundation, I mean, the folks that know Tidewell, they deal with death. That's one of the things they deal with. They deal with a lot of other things. They deal with counseling of folks, survivors of death. But, you know, for Debbie to head up an organization like that and to deal with those types of issues just shows that it was really more of a calling And I remember her specifically saying that in the episode that for her and most of the people that work in her organization, it's a calling to be able to deal with, you know, the difficult things of life. Because again, this is Sarasota, right? We're down here for the sun, the sea, the palm trees, and, you know, the great weather. But there are tough things, the things of life that you have to deal with. And so it's just so great having Debbie on the show at Tidewell Foundation. Elena Farkas. She was a fascinating gal to have on because she basically teach, teaches non-native English speakers how to speak English. It's another, Again, it's another nonprofit. It's Project Light. Imagine if you were a teacher in a classroom and you had 30 people in there and four, five, maybe six different languages in there, native speakers, and they don't speak any English. How would you like to lead that group of people? But she has a heart for it, incredibly caring person, and she brings those folks in, teaches them English, but not only that, teaches these folks that are from different parts of the world about American culture, about the local culture, things that you should do, things that you should not. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I was for about 30 minutes in that episode, but I'd love to be a fly on the wall to see some of the things that happen in there because I'm sure there's a lot of laughing that goes on trying to really coordinate all that. The other gal that I think is doing a fantastic job is Jessica Hayes' Spark. Many people in the greater Sarasota area know of Spark. It's a very high-profile organization that is called the Safe Place Rape and Crisis Center. And... I guess the thing that touches me about what Jessica and the folks at Spark do is they're dealing with women, women that have been abused, women that don't have any place to go. They get these phone calls. 
Oftentimes, it's a last-second thing where women are in dangerous situations. Where do I go? Who do I turn to? What do I do about the children? And so Jessica and her people provide a safe place. They provide homes and counseling, and they get these women out of dangerous situations or horrible situations, and they give them a foundation which to begin to rebuild their lives Two thumbs up to Jessica Hayes and the fine folks at Spark. Joyce Norris, Transition Sarasota. I've always had an interest in, I guess, gardening, um, growing vegetables. Maybe, guess, part of my upbringing there in that small Midwestern town, which is really a farming community. But Transition Sarasota, one of the things they do, which I thought was fascinating, is the gleaning project. Gleaning is an Old Testament term that what you do is, is the excess from any field is left to be gleaned. In other words, the excess is picked up and for folks that don't have much money, for back then it would have been the peasants, right? They come in and they get the, the overflow of the produce that was, that was made, of course, by the field itself. And so, Jessica and her gang, she puts together these groups. They come in, they glean the fields, and then they donate those foods to local pantries, to folks that do not have enough to eat. And again, it's just, you know, it's just another testament of people that really, really care in this community. It was just very, very touching to have her on. Philip Table. Philip Table. What a man. What a man. He's at Children's First. Been there for 20 plus years. And what struck me about Philip Table, Children First, it was such a pleasure having him on the show. What dawned on me in the discussion that we had in the interview that I did is that here's a guy who's very, very talented. He could have gone the corporate route. He could have started his own business, made a lot of money. He's a talented guy, but he has a heart for infants and toddlers and for the families that may not have the resources and skills to raise them well, particularly in that very, very early vulnerable stage. And what he discovered is that during the very first years of a child's life, during the very early developmental stage, is that really sets them for a great part for the rest of their life, for their intellectual development, for their social skills. And he decided to get involved with children first, and they provide wonderful services to families that are struggling. They even provide coaching for young fathers out there that, you know, maybe they had a dad who wasn't around or a dad who was angry all the time or dealt with drug abuse. And they don't have the skills to raise their newly born child. And they provide those types of services as well. But Philip I, was just wonderful. He's a soft-spoken guy. And you can just tell that he cares a tremendous amount about these young children, about these families. Megan Howell, again, she's a young gal. She could do a lot with her life, but she has decided to get involved with the homeless problem here in the greater Sarasota area. She is with Second Heart Homes. And what Second Heart Homes is, exactly the way it describes, is they do their best to find homes for the homeless. And what impressed me about Megan is, number one, she has incredible style. She has a hairstyle with multiple colors, multiple tattoos. She's from a different generation than I am. 
And I could never do that. But guess what? She loves people and she has a passion to help the homeless and she is doing great work and you see how she continues to raise money for this growing problem that we have here as more homeless move into the area and she is doing a great job providing homes for the homeless. Captain Dimitri Kostanopoulos. Now let me tell you, before I entered Captain Dimitri, I had to practice his name at least 20 times. Okay, he's got that wonderfully five-syllable Greek name on the back there, Kostanopoulos. He is a captain with the Sarasota Police Department. It was wonderful having him on. And it was fascinating to hear about what it was like during 9-11. If you remember 2001, 9-11, Twin Towers were hit by different, hit by two jet airplanes. And President Bush was in town at the time. He was out there, I think it was Busher T. Washington Elementary School. That's when it happened. So he was on the police force. It was fascinating to hear what they had to do to clear the way to get the president in the air, get him off the ground because they did not know if it was going to come here next. But the other thing that I really appreciate about Captain Dimitri is he really has a heart for people. And, you know, what a sweetheart of a guy. You know, he really he really wanted to talk about all the great things that the police department was doing and just really share what his motivation for getting involved as a policeman and making it a career. And it really was his father that really influenced him. His father was a, his father is a, a, a priest and always served people. And he had a desire to do the same thing, but in a different way. And so I just kind of put um, Captain Dimitri under the incredibly caring people category because he does care. But he was the guy also was the one who introduced me to Stacey Efall of Sela Freedom. I have three daughters. They're all in their 20s today. And so this interview really touched me because Sela Freedom deals with sex trafficking. And, you know, there's a lot of problems that a number of voices out there want to elevate as being the worst in this country or in this um, community that we have around here. But I cannot think of anything worse than being trafficked. And yet Stacey Fall and her gang at Sale of Freedom, they do the hard work of taking women and helping them get out of that lifestyle. What I learned in that episode was a lot of times women enter that lifestyle and they they don't really come from bad backgrounds. And you'll hear some of the testimonies on their website. They just kind of get caught up into it and they don't really kind of understand what they're getting themselves into. And it's very, very difficult to get out. And so I think Sail of Freedom is a fantastic organization. I appreciate Captain Dimitri introducing me to it. I encourage you to go and listen to that episode. So those are really the things that I guess I've learned is that people want to be heard. People want to be seen and heard. They want to share their stories. And I'm just really happy to be able to do a small part, be able to share that with you, dear listeners. I do appreciate you logging in and spending that 30 minutes with us or so. I'm getting long-winded here. I see my timer is going a little bit long today, but I did want to share it with you. But let me just wrap this up by saying, what can you, we expect going forward in season two? Well, 
We're going to continue to do some of the same. We're going to bring to you some of the people that are going to doing great work in the greater Sarasota area, business leaders and civic leaders, entrepreneurs, authors. Um, I really want to bring those voices to you. As long as you continue to tune in, I'll continue to um, provide it for you. I will say that we've had over 2,200 downloads. So considering Sarasota is only 60,000, I guess we're making a little bit of dent in this little universe right here. But some other things you can expect, we're looking to come out with a newsletter, put a little bit more information in there. And the second thing is, is we're looking forward to being able to get more feedback from our listeners. You know, what do you want to hear? This is a family-friendly podcast. We always want to keep it at that level. But we want to know what people do you want to hear on the podcast to hear their story. I appreciate all of you. And I'm looking forward to the next episodes, the next season that we have coming up. And again, remember to listen, to learn, and connect. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. <music>